you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying, is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted, is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the success report. The success report. Hear ye, hear ye, come one, come all. You are listening to The Sixth Sense Report with Joel Nikoloff and Darnell Samuels. Yo, man, you think uh, you think I can get away with skipping uh, Valentine's Day this year? Uh, probably not. <laughs> well, actually, it depends. It depends on um, how, how you guys approach <laughs> We're it. You're not allowed to do anything. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, my gosh, I totally forgot. Well, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, you just got to be... Uh, creative, I guess, and um, got the kids there <laughs> with with no babysitters, no babysitters. with with <laughs> with no ability to go out. I don't know. I don't know. Like, don't you can't you like just pump them up with sugar and hopefully they when they crash, <laughs> yeah, the when, they, when they crash, <laughs> <laughs> then you guys have it all uh, yourself. Oh man, no. Our our strategy for putting kids to bed is um. Well, my daughters, it doesn't work, but. After about like, even like as early as like six six thirty, my I, if I drive around in the car, my kids out cold. My son is done. So sometimes it's like seven thirty, or and we're like, okay, he doesn't really seem tired at all. It's gonna be a rough night trying to put him to bed. Okay, who's going for a drive? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I might, I might be pulling out a, a you know a. A non-essential drive on Sunday night to to put my my kid to bed. Not really going anywhere, just driving around the block, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, today we are talking about what's love got to do, got to do with it. What's love when you don't even read your devotions? That's a CHH remix right there. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're talking about uh what's what's love got to do with it love um in light of valentine's day being on um, this sunday and the economics and theology of love so the things we're going to be talking about so obviously the it in this title is not the normal it oh yeah 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 no so it's, it's economics and theology <laughs> and really breaking it down to its finer points uh so well, I'm talking about marriage as opposed to the other it. Oh, well, uh, well, the original song, Well, well right? you know, Tina Turner, um, you know, was, 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 was abused by Ike Turner. So I don't know if she's talking about the beatings, um, you know, she's sitting deer under his hands. I don't know if it's like, you know, what's love got to do with you beating me? I, I don't know if that was the context. Um, yeah, was there I, was there a subliminal message? Uh, I don't, well, well, you know, you know, based on the movie, what's love got to do with it with Angela Bassett? Uh, ain't nothing subliminal about about that butt whooping he used to give her. You know, she was, yeah, bruised up, man. But it was a couple times she fought back, man. Yo, yo Tina Turner's a G, man. Have you ever seen what's love got to do with no, it? No, the no. I mean, oh my gosh, man, Lawrence Fishburne's. Oh my gosh, I you hate him after that movie, man. You hate him after that. What'd you say, anime? What'd you say, anime? If I'm looking at just the song, though, it might take me in a different direction. Oh. But, but okay. anyways, we're talking about marriage yeah. and, and, and yeah. the economics of it. And love. Which, for the listener, you know, hearing the economics of marriage, like, they're probably going to think, you know, they're probably thinking, like, this is going to be whack. 
No, 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 no. We're gonna we're gonna apply it. We're we're going to make sure that this as R and B R and B singers say, you know, this one's for the ladies. <laughs> yeah, I hope uh, you know maybe we'll, we'll we'll show a little bit of our sensitive sides, um, but no, just just being real and maybe applying a little bit of our economic principles, but in a way that is not you know financial or calculated, but rather um, incentives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the, the, the key points we're going to um, hit, and we're going to talk about um, the economics of marriage uh, and analysis of marriage in the mar- as a market. And then we're going to look at under that point, um, we have marriage as a firm. Then we're going to look at love and marriage. And then the second half, we're going to look at um, altruism and what is altruism? How does it work in a relationship? And then we're going to look at under um, as a subheading under altruism. We're looking at uh, giving gifts and, and what it, what's the economics of being in a relationship and giving gifts. Yeah. And oh, and there's one more. Uh, and then we're going to look at why do people um, well, yes, ever give gifts is money, and the welfare aspect of um, of the relationship. Okay, so to start, we we basically were looking at an article or um, a chapter from David Friedman's book, and so yeah, and so he's talking about marriage. Uh, David Friedman is the son of of Milton Friedman and Rose Friedman. Um, yeah, so so he so his mom and dad are economists and he grew up to be one. Yeah, he's, uh, uh, I would almost call him a hybrid of like Austrians and Chicago. Yeah, 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 because he, he went to Chicago school. Um, if you guys don't know who uh, Milton Friedman is, uh, free to choose, YouTube that guy, man. He's, uh, he's legit. Um, he, he's a, isn't he, um, a, um, Nobel prize winner? Um, I mean, I, I believe I, so. I think you're right, I but so. I also, you know, don't really follow sort of some of those. I think there's even like, you know, Nobel prize of economics. There's sort of, I don't want to say criticisms of it, but the concept is a little bit funky, but anyways. okay. Well, he, well, he, well, he yeah, got he the got award. It. I don't have one. He has one. So let's give the yeah, man yeah. credit. No, no, he, he, whatever that, <laughs> ro- ro- let's just say whatever that, uh, award, uh, pertains to there's a level of he is definitely one who deserves it um and and you know there are the guys like frederick hayek and others that that i think um you know there's lots of interesting economics out there that and it's good to be recognized when you have positive contributions and milton friedman free to choose and and all of his content really um i think in terms of translating to society at the time he was you know very um profound and also like pervasive um just because the era too right that would have been the beginning of or you know yeah i'll just say let's say color tv was sort of his era of of you know having an audience so um but yeah we'll have uh, a link to to david friedman's website um with this book or this particular chapter but um this his book price theory uh, i think you can get it in html format um, and, and chapter 21, the economics of love and marriage is sort of a launch pad for this. If anyone out there is an economics nerd and wants to sort of dig through some of his uh, economics arguments, um, you, you might find it interesting. 
Yeah, or 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 if you're a lady out there and your marriage, your marriage or your relationships on the rocks, you could also check it out too. <laughs> I don't know what the frig is going on. All right, so, all right, so let's let's get started. <laughs> yeah, you know, all jokes aside, like this is applicable stuff. So without further ado, let's jump into it. All right, so he has these points: what what marriage is and why it exists. And so he says that marriage, as a firm, one way of looking marriage is as a ra rather odd sort of package deal an exchange in which the two parties agree to share income housing sexual favors and a collection of productive activities such as cooking meals cleaning house washing dishes and rearing children seen from this standpoint the motivation for marriage is in part the existence of economics i sorry economies of scale in production. It is easier to cook one meal for two people than two meals each for one person. And in part, the advantage of division of labor, a major, oh, sorry, a marriage is simply a particular kind of two-person firm. So obviously he's very, he's being very like um, methodical in his definition. But I think it's something that is actually um, missing in many people's perspective of marriage. Right? There's almost like too much of the feels and and not enough of the the practical side of our, or as um or as our brother uh Rayford Johnson would say, um the likeies. <laughs> use the term. Um but he goes on to say, but a firm is not the only way of taking advantage of the division of labor. There is the alternative of the market. Most of us take advantage of the comparative advantage of the butcher, the baker, the brewer, but we do not, we do not have to marry them to get our dinner. The wife in a traditional marriage may have a comparative advantage over the husband in cooking, and the husband might have a comparative advantage over the wife in carpentry. But outside of the household, there are surely better cooks and better carpenters than either of them. Why does the couple limit itself to division of labor without the household? Within. Within the household, sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's a... Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I think if you had enough money, you would pay someone for all of these things. Just look at, you know, any of our celebrities. How many of them have live-in nannies or, you know, groundskeepers? And, and so to some extent... Uh, it's a matter of limited resources, right? Um, we tend to, I, you know, I'd rather pay a plumber and do the carpentry myself, <laughs> but I can't, I yes, can't afford I, both. You know, <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I also love the point that he made here that was helpful mm -hmm. for me when he said that it's easier to cook one meal for two people than two meals each for one person. Right. So when you get together, you're like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, it's it, th that's a little thing. It's a minor, little, simple thing. But you're like, actually, yeah, we only, you know, you're only, you know, making you're making dinner for the one person or whatever for two people. But it's the one time and, and, and it carries through or whatever the case may be. But, Joel, let me ask you, uh, what advice would you give to someone who wants to start a marriage firm um, or, or, you know, wants to start a marriage and looking at it like a firm? So, but, but sorry, Joel, like because i you know can you can you define what a firm is because this is the first i remember 
when hearing it in class for the first time and i was just like what the heck's a firm and the teacher ta taught the whole class and i had no idea what he was talking about <laughs> i mean and like i like i thought a lawyer firm like i like i was just like why does he keep using the word firm so yeah, how I would mean, you define I, firm? I think as much as a lawyer firm is you know maybe peculiar because we think of like these you know firm is probably used more of like professional organizations um, accounting firm lawyers firm right like it, i think it's just a you know uh almost like a colloquial term of the of, or colloquial use of the term but i mean you could almost replace if you went if you start looking at um you know from a legal perspective the idea of a partnership well what's the difference between a partnership and a firm well nothing really um and and the you know from a partner without getting too technical but from a partnership perspective you know the government or the you know the when it comes to taxation and, and things like that, even uh, legally, you don't have to have a contract, a, a literal, a written contract to be considered a partnership. The concept that underlies all of it from a partnership perspective is sort of a joint venture towards profit, right? So you could have a verbal agreement, you could have a nonverbal understanding in terms of a partnership, right? If you're both pursuing profit, meaning you're both risking for the reward from a legal perspective, not one of you can run away and be like, no, no, I earned all this money. Right. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so, so you're saying, sorry, go ahead. So, uh, no, sir. You're saying like, so, so marriage is somewhat like of a, of a business transaction. Well, just the partnership concept, right? So if you think of a firm more, so just people working collectively, the reason why a, a lawyer or, or, accounting firm works is because you have multiple owners and so it's that's why firm sort of works with a marriage because you don't have it's not like a you know corporation where you've got or, or even a, a, a small business where you normally have one owner and a bunch of employees so the idea of firm as opposed to company and that's why i use the term partnership because really it's it's a joint pursuit Okay, so what advice would you give somebody who wants to start a marriage? So, one, um, I think... A marriage firm. Yeah, you know, having a, you know, looking at your marriage like it's a joint life venture, I think is actually really valuable. Now, so I don't, I don't suggest getting down on one knee and, you know, asking someone to join you in your marriage firm. It's probably not going to go over well unless you've had some conversations along this line before and you're sort of making a joke. But but I think, you know, go back to what I said about before. How many people enter into marriage based on the feels, right? They're, they're sort of caught up in emotions and they haven't really thought about, okay, I'm, I want to enter in a life journey with somebody, right? I, I, as opposed to, well, this relationship feels good right now. Um, and so I think there's a number of things that, that you could sort of ask the questions uh, about yourself to say, you know, what type of person do I want to marry? Or what is the kind of person that will help me achieve the family goals that I have? And I, and I say family, not, you know, whether that's kids or not is, is not my point. I'm just saying like as a collective whether it's two of you or 10 of you, you know, what, what are you, what do you want to achieve with somebody else and finding somebody else that has 
a similar trajectory and that now the two of you can navigate together as opposed to being pulled in opposite directions. You know, the example that comes to my mind is like if one of you wants to be a missionary and the or or you know, travel the world or do something that hinders the ability to have a family, you you obviously need to be pursuing a marriage with somebody who has similar life goals or, or life trajectory. What about you? What Darnell, what what is this marriage as a firm? How does that change maybe the way you'd give someone advice about looking towards marriage? Yeah. Um kind of like that old saying, uh, love doesn't pay the bills. And as we get older, we realize like there's a lot more that goes into making a relationship go the long haul than just uh, love and emotions. And so like, you know, I have young people in my life, uh, young men, young women that I've seen grow up and then they've gotten married and, and we talk a lot about relationships. And so my advice to like the ladies, I would say is, uh, drop that chic and get with the geek. <laughs> right. So you just like, you know, you, you got to know your market value, right. If we're going to use economic terms. So like you have all the power, um, until you say I do. And so that's what I would say as, as a woman, woman, as a woman, women have all the leverage, um, in the, in the relationship. And so I have this saying, um, and it goes like this, never underestimate the power of the vagina, right? Never underestimate the power of the vagina. <laughs> and what that means, angels, <laughs> like, unpack that. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> unpack that. <laughs> so the, the, the point is this, that, um, you know, the woman, a woman's vagina is what the guy wants. And he will do anything to get it. So if he's going to do anything to get it, you should use that as leverage and that you should be making all the demands and having all of your demands met before you sleep with anybody, right? You, you set the terms in the start, close your legs, close the deal, right? And if he, and if he leaves that he really wasn't for you, but as a woman know that you have all the leverage and, and men will do the most just to get to that point or even even to the point of marriage. So you kind of have to measure him. Um, but as soon as you give in, you lose all your leverage. Um, for the fellas, I would say, um, you know, um, like a wise man once said, Who is that never trust man? a big button to smile. Right? <laughs> I think I think it was, um, um, it was BBD, Belle Biv DeVoe. Um, yeah, yeah, never, yeah, yeah, never trust a big button to smile. She might not be poison, but um, she might not be helpful. And so like intelligence is key. Um, intelligent women, guys, seek intelligent women. Um, now, if you're a dummy and you wouldn't know an intelligent woman if she corrected your homework, um, then you should be asking for help. Uh, preferably a, a woman of Titus II status. I hope you guys are taking notes, man. I'm, I'm teaching a class right now, man. I'm about to write a book. So look, if, if you don't, <laughs> if you don't, um, if you, as a guy, and you're only stuck on TNA and you can't identify an intelligent woman, then you should be asking an older woman, a Titus II woman, um, who can help help point you in the right direction and, 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 and help you see what a good woman um, would be for you. And so 
the idea is this men know men women know women so as a young lady if you want to know if a guy's legit ask an older guy ask an older guy that you trust to come in come in and be like okay well let me just see this guy okay no he's an idiot and as an older and as a guy like you don't ask i'm older you don't ask a, your guys about a girl men don't know women you got to go ask a woman about a woman right um and the last thing i would say is just marry early uh build wealth together not apart um like that whole division of labor um i thought that was an excellent point um that that david freeman um makes that you don't build and everybody you know so many young people are, are running around saying oh yeah i'm gonna get my stuff together then i'm gonna get married i'm like but you're gonna be broke and even then there is no incentive for you to 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 build that wealth but once you become to become one that you then you can create that division of labor and then you can start pooling your resources and creating wealth faster i always say this that your life doesn't begin until you get married that well that, that's just my personal experience my life didn't begin till i got married meaning that i didn't start doing actual adult things and thinking like an adult until i had um the pressure of having somebody with yeah, me to you know um, i think the the division of labor of. <clears throat> i think there's it's easy potentially for people to um misunderstand or or misinterpret what that's really getting at so like the the you know you made the example about cooking right like oh two meals but apply the same thing to rent right so two incomes playing one rent even like even if you have like yes yes oh, i only rent yes, a room true. okay are you paying you know 700 bucks a month well yes. maybe you could and again maybe the numbers don't apply to where you live in Mr. toronto whatever the point's still valid so yeah one person pays 700 a month of rent but two people pay a thousand right um you have two internet bills one internet bill right so all of the thing you know there's that side and, and then you could get a deal and you, you could get like a phone deal right or like something. there's yeah there's there's all these aspects of you can live more efficiently in community um and and relationship and and i think that we haven't even gotten to sort of the value of marriage and and you know we can get there in a second um because like you know someone could take what i said and well like i just live with my girlfriend okay different conversation right but we'll, we'll sort of touch on that in a second but um the other side of it goes back to what i was saying about thinking about who you're going to marry and division of labor i think you also need to understand what are your skills and and what are the skills of the person you you want the skills of the other person generally to complement what you have meaning where you're weak they're strong where they're weak, you're strong. Because the whole idea of division of labor is you do you specialize in different things. There's no point in being mediocre at everything so that, okay, everybody's responsible for shoveling the driveway. Everybody's responsible for taking out the garbage. Everybody's responsible for cleaning up the house. Like you become more efficient as some of you specialize and some of in in some things and others specialize in others that's the principle of division of labor so i think it plays into choosing a mate um where you recognize what are the skills i have and how does that fit with what i'm hoping for um and and you know i think it helps you to as we move into the next question like you know what is love or altruism you know having the right perspective of your partner that they don't need to be as good as you in everything. You actually don't want them to be as good as you in everything because 
you know, potentially now you're, you're competing because you're both experts. Okay. And so now the next section is uh, love and marriage. And he says, it may seem odd to ask why we marry someone we love instead of marrying someone who, whose tastes agree with and whose skills complement our own and then conducting our respective love lives on the side. But it is a legitimate question. So he says, there are two answers to this. So the first is that love is associated with sex, which leads to children. So parents much prefer re rearing their their own children uh, to rearing other people's or uh, other people's. And as much of child rearing is most conveniently done in the home of the rearer. So it is convenient to say the least if a child's parents are married to each other. And then the second point was that um, that love reduces, although it does not eliminate the conflicts of interest that lead to costly bargaining. If I love my wife, her happiness is one of the main things determining mine. We therefore have a common interest in making her happy. If she also loves me, we also have a common interest in making me happy. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, the, the way that I've sort of always thought about the second, you know, what he says there about, you know, um, the common interests. Um, you know, I always thought of as a husband, you know, it is, uh, there's an aspect where I'm responsible to put my wife's needs above my wants and vice versa, right? She should put my needs above her wants. Um, and, and that's a, an aspect of, I would say, applying what he said here, right? Like her happiness is important to me. And so I want to make sure her needs are met before I fill my wants. Okay. So, so like people are caught up in this idea of love. So you sound, you sound like you guys, well, how long you been married? Um, just over, oh, about five and a half years now. I was going to say five years. Oh, you're yeah. five. Yeah, you're yeah. five. Oh man. I'm, I'm, I'm eight in March. Yeah, uh, we. Uh, oh, yeah, you're you're right around the corner. Uh, yeah, yeah. My my five year. We were planning to do something a little bit more extravagant, but uh, good old COVID blew that one up. I'm eight in March. I know, I know, uh, man. Uh, but no, no. We actually, my wife, my wife. Uh, she like so. My wife for for our anniversaries, we had this idea. I don't know if it was her idea. I want to say it was my. I, I probably should say it's my idea because it'll sound bad once I explain it. Basically. Every... Okay, we'll, we'll save okay, that for okay. the for the yeah, yeah, uh, okay, the last question. That. But um, okay, so what is love? What is love? Yeah, I think um, you know a good thing for people to realize is there's many different kinds of love, and if you look at like historical languages, um, you know Greek being an example, um, there's there's so many different Greek words for to mean love. And especially, you know, you think about sexual, right? There's the word eros. Um, but there's, you know, family love. There's, you know, uh, and then, you know, the, the one for, for most Christians would be agape love, right? That is sort of this sacrificial, perfect love from God. Um, but the reason I bring that up is to say, you know, we use the same word to say I love my wife and I love cheeseburgers, right? But that, that word itself... Um, can sort of be, uh, I don't want to say overused, um, but it doesn't 
totally communicate, well, okay, how do I differentiate between these two things that I'm using the same word for? Um, and so I think there's many times there's the emotional side for love. And I don't think you can survive a marriage that lacks that. Well, I shouldn't say survive. Um, you know, I think, because I, my, my first instinct was to think of like arranged marriages. Um, you know, did they start out with emotional or does that develop? Um, and so my point is that to have no sort of emotional connection in a, to, to, you know, to be married till, till death do us depart. Um, I don't think that would occur if you lack the emotional side, but I think in a marriage, love is as much a choice most of the time as it's going to be, um, the, you know, the feels or, or emotionally satisfying. Yeah. The likeies. <laughs> the likeies. <laughs> um, and, and the reason I say that is like, you know, there's times that I, I don't, you know, go back to what I said about before with regards to my needs and my want or my wants and my wife's needs, right? There's times that I don't like the interaction we're having, right? I might not like her in the moment. I'm frustrated with her. But if I love her, I might need to bite my tongue and not give in to my want to, you know, rip her head off and and go, okay, if I really care about being productive in this scenario, I need to um, shut my mouth and think about how to effectively communicate so that actually what I care about, which is, you know, moving forward or moving past something or, or let's say even creating change is actually received productively. And, and if you don't care for the other person and all you care about is yourself, you're just going to blow your lid off and rip their head off because it makes you feel better, right? You got the emotional outpouring that satisfies you. But so to me, that's where like love is a choice because I'm choosing to make the, the better decision as opposed to satisfy myself. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I know that's probably a very like methodical or analytical answer. Um, I don't know. What is, what do you, what do you think of like, okay, what is love or, um, you know, love is not, um, what, I, what we find in the R and B songs. Um, but you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, I was thinking about that question and it reminded me of, um, so I, uh, for those of you guys who don't know, um, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote a rap song, um, for Tyra a long time ago. It's floating around online. Actually, I took it off. I took it down. It's <laughs> really so like, go look, look for the rap song. But um, I wrote a rap song uh, for Tyra and um, made a music video of it. And and in the song, um, I say, um, love cannot be found in a person because God is love and there's only one version. Come with me. We can go on an excursion, explore the Trinity and all three persons. And so when I say that, I'm saying that um, if God is love, then uh, we can't fully love another person without him working in us. And so it's easy to love someone when, you know, things are going good. But when but when times get tough, um, you know, you're going to need a power from outside of yourself. And so I think the, the, the key point is that I want to hit is just to make sure that, um, you know, you acknowledge that, you know, you're broken 
and that, you know, you're going to need help doing this. And it isn't everybody has the ability to love. I, I personally, in my personal conviction, I don't believe that. You know, people love in varying degrees, but, you know, we need we need the grace of God to do it really well. Um, and so the last question um, we're going to jump into is, is we're looking at the idea of, let me make sure. I, okay, so we have, we're looking at altruism, right? So the second half of the, um, the discussion. So the economics of altruism, the analysis of rational behavior by an individual who values the welfare of another. So again, altruism is someone who values the welfare of someone else um, is, is, ba is basically called an altruist. So it is possible to use economics to analyze the, the rational behavior of an altruist and of the person whose welfare he cares about, and in the process to derive some surprising results. Right. So the idea of breaking down what, what that looks like in regards to money. So, for example, he says um, in the first part um, of, of this chapter, I asked why marrying for beauty is generally considered better than marrying for money. We now have a possible answer. It is widely believed that beauty is and beauty is and wealth is not one of the things that makes men fall in love with the woman. So our analysis of altruism suggests that people will work together much more easily if one of them is an altruist with regard to the other, since it is then in the interest of both altruist and beneficiary to maximize their joint welfare. I think he's sort of speaking to, um, you know, the, the history as well, right? Like historically, I mean, if you, you know, remove ourselves from, you know, modern era where, you know, women have become empowered and, and I don't, you know, that's a good thing to, and when I say empowered, like, you know, there's tools available that if a woman was to have a, a child by herself, she can survive without, um, you know, like historically speaking, like, you know, I don't want to call it a death sentence, but like being a single mother was almost like, it was impossible almost, right? Like you would essentially be um, living at, off of the community um, because of the way, you know, the culture worked historically. And so how much of that is sort of uh, ingrained into this cultural conversation that he's or, or the culture that that he's describing um, is sort of what what went through my mind. But um, I say all that because you know you look at the history. Even you know what was the purpose of marriage, right? We talked about institution marriage being an institution. I think with uh, Joe Boot, not not extensively, but we touched on it a bit. And and there's an aspect of that because of when when. <laughs> If a woman was to get pregnant outside of marriage, you know, that was that was very difficult for her in, in going forward, right? Like getting married after that was almost impossible. And you well not almost impossible, that's not the right words, but you're unable to almost unable to provide for yourself. 
for a period of time when it's, you know, the end of the pregnancy slash breastfeeding or, you know, rearing a child that's awake and asleep every two hours, right? Like, let's just say that five month span, even you are dependent on others and, and, you know, having the security of someone committed to your welfare is what marriage provides. Right? So now I know that this person's commit marriage being the covenant, being the the commitment that if we're going to have if I'm going to have a child as a woman, if a woman's going to have a child, there's someone committed to both their welfare and the baby's welfare when they're unable to provide for themselves. And I, I use, you know, five months as like the simple, the shortest time span where physically they're unable to do anything else. Um, and, and so I think of that, you know, legacy through human history that in today's world we're, we've, you know, through economies of scale, through division of labor, through a number of things, the ability to step outside of that scenario has, has, has been realized, um, but there's so much legacy there that um, I wonder how much of that is, you know, I want to say cultural, but, you know, how much does that play into this quote that he's talking about for men? Um, you know, wealth isn't uh, uh, in general, obviously it's not perfect. You know, nothing's 100%, but wealth is not something that causes men to fall in love with women. I just found that a very like, a keen observation, but also a peculiar one that is worthy of evaluating. I mean, some people would, you know, if I wanted to be very, I want to steel man some of the opposition, they would say that's because of the patriarchy and women were oppressed by men. And that, and that's sort of why I went down the five month conversation because like that to me doesn't fit the narrative of like the inability for anything else with the way, you know, we survived through history. So I know that's total, total rabbit trail. Um, but I think altruism and, and even the idea of someone who values the welfare of someone else, right? The, the, the reason I went down that road a bit too, was because this, you know, comment or this, you know, part of the, the chapter that you summarized almost hints that like, only, or I don't want to say only, but like it's, it's altruism is only one side of the relationship, right? It's like one person's a beneficiary and one person's the altruist. And, and I don't think that's a fair, like, cause he says maximize their joint welfare. Well, well, let me ask you this. Are you on welfare, Joel? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, but but the reason I was going so 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 you're the so would you say like you're the altruist or the beneficiary? Well, okay, so I would say I'm I have and this is where I was actually going to go with it because exactly what you're saying, right? So my wife doesn't work right now; she, she's about at the stage to get back to work. The question is when, where, why, how, and COVID sort of blows that entire you know blew that conversation up to say uh, what's going on, but. I w the reason I'm I'm wanted to go down the road is because like our, like we look at welfare and beneficiary in just uh, this all his quote almost looks at it in purely monetary perspective. 
and and yes, I know you need money to 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 do things, but you know, I'm a beneficiary from a number of things from my wife. Right? Like her you know, daily upbringing of our children is a ben- is a benefit to me. So you are on welfare. Right? There there are well, well, get off welfare, Joel, you lazy bum. The, the marriage. <laughs> <laughs> but this goes back to <laughs> this goes back to specialization of labor. or or um, division of labor. I'm a right? bum. I'm a well. I'm a beneficiary of. Yeah, I'm a bum. I'm a beneficiary of her labor, and she's a beneficiary of my labor. Right, and and some of that has money associated to it, and some of it doesn't. Um, and, and that's where I was, you know, that's why I sort of dug through the whole, like I went, you know, sort of way back into the altruist sort of cultural, because I think there's so much more that if you really look at the reciprocal nature of, of a marriage relationship, right? If I, if I want to have children and I have to go to work every day, I have to receive the benefit of someone else taking care of my child. Otherwise, I no longer have a child. <laughs> like, you know, if if I don't, and this is where what I was sort of saying about like being a single parent or a single mother, right? It was exceptionally hard to do because I can't provide like, you know, I was just said it on the show before. For the last thousands of years, up until the last hundred years, like ninety five percent of the population lived on a sustenance level, meaning they had to provide for themselves to eat today. How do you do that when you have to keep a child alive at the same time? Like, you know, you're going to walk the field with a baby on your back? Maybe. But how much work can you get done in that context as opposed to, you know, having two free hands, let's say? So, I I mean, what are your what are your thoughts on on altruism and and you know, oh do you receive gosh. welfare in your marriage? Oh my gosh, do I do I receive welfare? Um I would say that um, that I'll put it this way: being on welfare makes you makes me want to get off welfare, <laughs> right? Um, but there are things Tyra is better than me at, and that I'm um, that I benefit from. Um, namely, like the first thing is her um, her hospitality. Um, like so, prior to our marriage, you know, eating wasn't something I took seriously. You know what I mean? I only ate like to stay alive. <laughs> I didn't really like, I didn't, you know, I just didn't think about it. I just ate just to play video games so I could just, you know, play video games. And then when, when she came into my life, um, she's, she got me into taking meals seriously and she takes it seriously. Um, ingredients, um, how things to prepare. So she actually studies the stuff. She looks at, you know, the chemistry of how certain ingredients mix. And so I have cleaned up my diet. Um, I'm feeling a lot better um, and so forth. So, so in that way, like she's all, she feels, um, and I'm not, this is her words, not mine. Um, She feels at peace and she feels comfortable and she feels in her zone when she's in the kitchen cooking. Now, I'm not saying that's what every woman should be doing, but, you know, Tyra has the gift of hospitality. So she's she's at her best. She's in her zone. She's most comfortable 
when she's in the kitchen um, whipping up something, creating something, um, perfecting a, a recipe. So you guys will, so those who follow me on social media, you guys will see me posting um, the the do goodies. <laughs> yeah, the desserts, the the, the do goody desserts. So like I'm the I'm the um, <laughs> official taste tester in my home. So and that way I'm definitely on welfare. And you know sometimes I don't think I'm getting off. <laughs> I don't think I'm getting off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to stop that. One. <laughs> Take your head down, sir. But um, but you know, but the other side of like the beneficiary um and and. And looking at that relationship, like, like part of the altruism is this, like uh, I think of the term um, reciprocity. And so with reciprocity, we like people that like us, right? We like people that like us. So it, you, you know that example where, um, you know, when you're in school and, um, you know, there, there's this girl that you see every day. And you're, you know, you're like, whatever, you don't even notice her. You don't even really care. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you know, her girlfriend comes up to you and says, um, yo, so-and-so likes you. And all of a sudden, you know, she, she's looking good to you. Like, oh, well, oh, okay. Wow. She, yeah, she, she, she's a lot prettier than I, than I, than I, than I, than I, than I remember. I mean? so, but, the, but the reason why she looks prettier is because she likes you and the, and the reverse is same for girls as well you know you don't you don't really notice the guy until the guy you know thinks a lot of you and and it's a humbling thing when somebody likes you like we never really take that we never slow down and think about what honor it is and i've i look at it this way what honor it is for someone to be taken with you or as they say in england someone to to you know fancy you right um because you know, our whole life, who's the one who who's the number one person who fancies us for the guys? Who's the number one person who fancies us? Our mom. Our mom. Right? She's the, that's the only woman who's ever thought of us as attractive and loves us. You know what I mean? So to think that there is another woman or another female out there that um, thinks highly of you, finds you attractive you know, before she goes to bed, she thinks about you. You know what I mean? Like that's, that, that's a, that's an amazing feeling to think that somebody thinks that highly of you, that they would think about you before they go to bed. Same thing for the ladies, right? It's an honoring thing. Now, some, sometimes some of us might get used to the, you know, you know, used to the attention and then you don't, you know, you're not really humble and, and you become very arrogant. Um, but, uh, you know, looking at that exchange, there's definitely, in my personal opinion, there's always going to be somebody on welfare in the relationship. Um, sometimes it's both in, in certain aspects, but definitely um, I would say, and this is me, this is just my opinion. I think that between the man and the woman, I think that um, the woman should be um, on welfare. I think the woman should be on welfare. If, if I'm, if I'm going to choose, if I'm going to, follow this train of thought and that um the man should be um because he because he calls her into the relationship assuming he calls her into her and usually from experience and from talking to my guys behind the scenes um men usually take care of the things they pursue they usually take care of the women they pursue so if they took the initiative to come and talk to you then they're going to make the effort to maintain that relationship if she approaches him 
then it, the conversations are always so um so what are we you know what what you know uh, what are we gonna be um you know i, I feel like the, the relationship is is becoming stale those kind of conversations yo you already know what it is you messed up you messed up so when guys kind of like that that book that relationship book he's just not interested which is an amazing book he hit the nail the guy who was on oprah I forgot his name but he wrote the book he's just not interested and girls are always overthinking oh why didn't he call me oh why is he doing this oh why is he introduced me to his mom oh why oh why well the guy says oh he's just not that interested guys are very straightforward they're very simple we're very simple beings it's very cut and dry you know we already have our mind made up whether we're going to marry you or not right but but guys are aren't are, are, aren't gonna burn bridges we don't do that that's just not that's just not uh <laughs> good business um and so i i say all that to say that um you know play your cards right ladies fellas play your cards right um and 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 just make sure that you know you're coming out out of these this business transaction on top Right, as much as you have um, the likes, you have to kind of still look at this um, as a business transaction. Well, and and you know, just to to reiterate, when you say business transaction, if we go back to so many times, we talk about the idea of mutually beneficial exchange. Right, like it's not that one person's getting the short end of the stick, and and you know, the example you gave about okay, you know, generally the the woman should be the one on welfare. I mean, again, go back to what I was saying about child rearing with you know concept of being off work for maternity right like that's just defaults as to <clears throat> excuse me for for part of your life that's essentially a necessity now for the woman who doesn't want that well then you know you have to find a a, a compatible partner who um, has the same life trajectory Right. If someone else, if you don't want to have kids, you got to find someone else who doesn't want to have kids. If you do want to have kids, but, um, you know, flip it around. The one thought that came to my mind, if you've got a, a, a male parent who wants to be a, or a father, I should say, who wants to be a, you know, homeschooler, well, then obviously that would invert the, you know, the, the, the concept. And that might be what's right for your family. Um, but that would essentially come probably after the maternity phase yeah because someone's yeah. got to work in that but, no, phase. but sorry just just to be clear when i say welfare i'm not talking money i'm talking about attention um and 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 you could write this down uh the person who calls you into the relationship is responsible for maintaining it and so the reason why i say a woman should be on welfare because if i had a daughter i don't i don't want her pouring out for some man you feel me like i yeah, yo, like you know what I mean. So, like, I'm talking like, like even like I don't even have daughters, but I have I have young ladies in my life, um, that that um that I disciple and I care deeply about. I, I you know I have goddaughters, and so I, I would prefer if if that, if that's the um altruism, um, um, beneficiary. I want um, I would like to see these young ladies in my life. I would like to see them. The beneficiary. Maybe I shouldn't say I'd like to see them on welfare because that doesn't sound right. But I, I, I <laughs> but the beneficiary. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but I want. I'd like to see them um, be the beneficiary of in the relationship that they're benefiting. Because if it's you know you know and nothing is fifty fifty. And I always say that marriage is not fifty fifty, 
right? Um, it's not about um, a compromise. It's about sacrifice. And we know this because we have brothers and sisters and nothing's ever 50-50. And for those of who've been married, ain't nothing ever 50-50. Um, and we're going to get to that. Um, but l let's move to this next point. Um, so lastly, we look at uh, why do people ever give gifts? Okay, so why do people ever give gifts in any form other than money? If, as we normally assume, each individual knows his own interest, surely he is better off getting money and buying what he wants instead of getting what the donor decides to buy for him. So there are two obvious reasons to give gifts instead of cash. The first is that the donor may believe the recipient's object objectives are different from his own. I may give you a scholarship, but not because I like you, but because I want, want there to be more educated people in the society or more smart high school students going to my alma mater. And then the second reason uh, for giving re um, restricted gifts is paternalism. If you believe that you know better than the recipient what is good for good for him, you will naturally want to control how he spends your money. The obvious example is the case of parents dealing with children, right? Or a, a second reason uh, to give food stamps instead of money may be the belief that some of the poor should spend money on food, but if given a choice, will spend it on whiskey instead. But let me ask you this, Joel. What is the best gift you ever got, Jenna? So, I mean, I would think the, there's a couple thoughts I have. The first is probably, you know, the, the ring. Um, and, and part of the reason is cause I, I went all out in the sense of like planned a, a long night. I had this like surprise candle or it was the, will you marry me was written in candles in my parents' backyard. And so I like, you know, I, I went all out, put in a lot of effort. And so basically I would say like, it's gone downhill from there. Um, but outside of that, I do have this, like, so I sent Jenna a text, um, in anticipation that, because I knew you were going to ask me this question and I asked her, I was like, you know, what's the best, what's the best gift I've given you? And her answer is exactly, so it, I, I really like her answer. Her, she joking was like the ring. Um, but then I have this um, quote that I heard. I remember this is probably, I think I've put it in the show notes before. It's from this movie. Um, and I don't, I don't, I can't think of the characters right now. I want to say Forrest Whitaker said it, but I could be wrong. Um, the quote is, a key to a woman's heart is an unexpected gift at an unexpected time. And so Jenna's answer was like basically showing up with stuff that she likes when she doesn't expect it. Whether that's, you know, coming home with tea and cookies from Tim's when she's not expecting me to. Um, you know, I'll say the biggest way that I practice that sort of unexpected gift at unexpected times is like I try to bring her flowers not on special occasions. So just randomly driving home one day, I'm going to pick up flowers. Um, as a, and I would say I almost like, you know, Valentine's Day, I generally don't try to go get flowers. One, just, I don't know. I'll, I'll buy them a week beforehand. So she wasn't expecting them. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, and the funny thing is in, in her response, she was like, she basically said, you know, when you buy me things, I'm not expecting. And whether, you know, even if it's like an actual Christmas gift, but she wasn't expecting that gift, you know, that it, it tells her that I know her, that I care as opposed to, and, and this is where like, you know, I think you were the first point you were like, you know, the reason to give a gift instead of cash, but flip that around from a perspective of receiving, right? I generally would prefer cash because the other person doesn't know what's best for me. I know what's best for me. And this is actually an economics principle. There's a, there's a, remember in school, you learn this idea of like gift in kind versus gift in cash. And generally speaking, a gift in cash will result in greater, we use this term utility, but that's because the person gets to allocate the resources to their needs. The problem is sometimes their needs is a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> and, you know, the second point, yeah, paternalism says, okay, if I'm going to give you money, I want to make sure it's not wasted on something that I don't agree with. Um, but coming back around, like, so by giving get Jenna a gift that she actually appreciates, I sort of circumvent this principle of gift and kind and gift and cash because there's something more than the gift that she's receiving, right? There's the, the relational development, the, the feeling of being loved that let's say gift and kind and gift and cash doesn't quite um, comprehend because it's, again, it's, you know, those models are more like in the second scenario where it's like government giving money to people or, or, you know, welfare uh, what about you? What uh, What's the best gift? Uh, well, yeah, so it's funny because, uh, you know, Tyra told me the other day, um, well, we don't, one, one we don't um, celebrate um, Valentine's Day. Um, but I have bought her stuff for Valentine's Day, so I always tell her we don't celebrate it, but um, <laughs> I still do sometimes. Um, <laughs> but it, it, she said to me the other day that, you know, she likes getting cards from me. And, you know, when we first met, she, she told me she doesn't like cards because, you know, cards are just, it's just, she's just, for her whole life, she's never liked cards, but she just reminded me, she had to remind me, which is pretty bad. She says, you know what, Darnell, I like receiving cards from you because they're funny and they're creative and I really look forward to them. And I was just like, oh, okay. I was like, oh. I was like, wow, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think she really cared. Like she really liked them. So, um, so, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that, um, <laughs> that my wife is like low maintenance and so, so she's okay. <laughs> <laughs> now just for, for, for the listener in little insider, uh, info, do you generally, do you buy a card and be really intentional about the card you buy or is um, it that you write in the card? Well, the joke is no, the joke no, so the joke is what I do is um, because my mind is very critical. I'm very analytic and I'm and like, like I, <laughs> I just exegete everything. And so I'll, I'll buy like Christian cards with Bible verses in it. And then I'll notice that the Bible <laughs> verse is out of context. So I'll just totally like exegete it. I'll just cross it out, find the correct context, write it out, and then start like, like parsing verbs and just, and then like, like things aren't said right or certain jokes. So like, I totally like cross things out and just totally rewrite the card oh. and remake the card. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. she always finds, yeah, no, that's, so she that's always finds like, that so funny. there's this. So yeah, no, that's dope. Cause like, I think, 
Well, no, but, that, like, but that's just how my brain works. She finds your cards more valuable because she's gaining insight into you. You're like showing some of like you're also portraying some skills. You're you're you know probably edifying her with your exegesis of the word. And so, just as an experience, mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. you're sort of hacking a card. Like if I use a hack in the sense of like you're you're using the card. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's a good context. word. That's a good if anything, word. you're actually word. like undermining the the author's intentions. Um, and, but yeah, no, I think I think she. I don't think you've transformed her perspective of cards. Right? She doesn't care to get a card from anyone else because what you do with the unless she gets a card that's a Christian card and goes, oh, what would Darnell would do with this one? Like, <laughs> you know, I think for the most part, um, it's just the way that you give cards is so unique. Um, and it portrays parts of you that she appreciates. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, I'm, I'm thankful for the, for that. And, you know, I guess just to tie back to the first point, um, about, um, when you get into a relationship and, um, like weighing the pros and cons and, and so, you know, Tyra's low maintenance. And I think about, um, just a funny joke, um, in the movie, good hair, right in the movie good hair um which is about black hair and it's by chris rock it's really funny and it's very sad at the same time it's funny it's sad it's edifying it's deep but it's basically about black hair black women's hair and black culture and perming and weaves and all these things and um and he said something that that's that that ties into economics um and i guess black people will um be able to relate to this and maybe actually you know what Maybe some 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 white white brothers as well um, will be able to uh, relate to this. So um, when you are pursuing a black woman, there's something that goes through a man's head. When you you have to look at her hair and you have to think, can I afford that? Can I can I support that? No, it, no, it, yo, it's it's funny, but it's true. I was not expecting, like, and, and, and I was watching it. All. I was just like, like I was not when you were like, when you're setting no, this no, up. That, no, that is it's, not it's at true. all where I was thinking you were going. Not that I had any expectations, really. But yeah, no, no, no. So even 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 for a white guy who likes black girls, like you, like it goes through your mind, and you look at her hair, you're like, okay, I I see your hair, but what's going through a guy's mind is like, can I afford that? Because if we hook up, I got to start putting out money, and some weaves cost five hundred dollars. Right. Depending on on the maintenance and the upkeep. Um, and of course, you kind of got to think, OK, well, what's under the weave as well? Are you willing to deal with what's under it? Yeah. Should, um, should you be giving a so, plug to our uh, and so our, our homegirl who, who's in that world? Deanna. Who? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yo, yo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> braids. What was it? Braids. Braids. Yeah, we'll perfect. Don't worry. Oh, yo, yo, we go. We go. Shout out Deanna. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we go throw the show notes if you're trying to get a braid up or get, get or, your or weave learn. done or yo, whatever she's the case still, is. Yo, like, she's got two classes. Girls, yeah, like, dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. she's teaching classes, yo. Yeah, she's teaching classes, yo. Shout out to Deanna yeah, Johnson, yeah. yo. We love you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's solid. So, and for the but, white but brothers the who want to save that, a little like, money, economically. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you got a black girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Juggle fever, right? So, so the idea is just that, um, you, you, you see a black woman's hair and you got to think, okay, am I willing to deal with that? Uh, whether it's high maintenance or low maintenance, um, what are, it's not just her beauty, but you're looking at her hair and thinking like, okay, what am I willing to deal with? And, and, and these are just like some of the um, economics 
if I'm defining economics as the science of making um, decisions, the reallocation of scarce resources as well. But thinking about like, it isn't just the likeies, but you're like, okay, can I, can I financially manage this? So, um, to get to answer the question, Joel, what's the best gift I ever got, Tyra? She she told me it was um, a bracelet, um, a Pandora bracelet. It was a charm, actually. It was a charm for a Pandora bracelet that I got her. And um, Joel, you know this. During the year, I was sick for like a year and a half um, when I was in that really dark place. Um, wasn't working, wasn't going to church, wasn't going to school. Um, you know, depression, just, man, I, yeah, I was I was dead. I was dead. And so Tyra took care of me during that time. And then, um, you know, we were, we were strapped for money cause I wasn't working, you know, church was supporting us straight diaconate fund and <laughs> the church was paying our bills and dropping out food. But I bought her, um, a charm, um, a nurse charm, like a nurse charm to, um, to put on her bracelet and we didn't have much, but, um, in that time I wasn't even leaving the house. Um, in a room and I left the house to go buy her the um the charm the charm for her bracelet and she really liked it she actually she loved it uh because it just it was just a reflection of a, a dark time where both of us were sick actually uh and we didn't have much money but it, it meant the most to her that um that's a symbol of you know her love for me and her taking care of me in, in my time of need through sickness and in health right so so that was, mm. she loved that. Yeah. So it almost has more value mm -hmm. now than it did at the time <laughs> because it's sort of reflection on that, 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 you know, tough time yeah. you went through. Um, so, um, actually, you know, in terms of sort of flipping it around, I almost want to say the best gift my wife gave me was, was, was sort of this year. Um, so go back. Remember I started to talk about anniversary. You said save it till later. Um, on, so we sort of came, I don't know. I want, I was starting to say, I, th I want to take credit for this because it'll, I almost want to feel bad if my wife, wife takes credit for this idea, but we, we collectively came up with the idea that like every, we, we rotate who plans our anniversary every other year. And this year I was sort of, okay, five years, like, let's do something big. Like, let's go to Montreal for a weekend or like, you know, first time having our kids, you know, babysat and go away and then COVID and there's like nothing. So it's, it's my year. I'm supposed to be planning it. It's supposed you know, first to five years, I'm supposed to do something big or I wanted to do something big. First couple of years, you know, we're newly married, just had kids. So we just sort of were like low key sort of stuff, go out for dinner, you know, by each other. Usually I'd try to surprise her with some sort of small gift or something. So she basically just like, I was moping because of all that's going on. And I felt like, you know, I can't plan anything. So she basically took over, planned it. We end up going to, um, so we drove like three hours to Kingston and then rented a Sea-Doo for four hours and drove to the Thousand Islands. So basically spent like four hours on the water on a Sea-Doo driving uh, which, I mean, it was so much fun. I, I thoroughly, you know, and, and the reason I was like, it's the best gift was more so like the state of mind I was in and all that was going on. I just like, I didn't want to deal with it. Right. Like I was just like so disappointed that what I wanted to do, I couldn't do. Um, and so by her taking over and, you know, just, just, I mean, it was so much fun. 
like i mean it was obviously it wasn't just like we went to this other place called bolt castle uh which is her actual last name is bolt um and so there's a bolt castle near the you know pretty far past but you know as i said we were ripping on a sea for four hours we found the one spot the waves were like literally like five to 10 feet high like it was the waves were insane because it was so choppy like we're basically getting into like almost the st lawrence river area um so it, it got pretty crazy and it was a lot of fun but <clears throat> yeah that i mean that's just a, a random story that i thought uh i started to go down and, and circle back around before the episode finished okay so what's your two cents on this whole thing um, i think i think that for the listener who's not married i would encourage you to be more intentional about thinking about what it is that you bring to the marriage and what you want in a or, or to, yeah, a, to yeah, a relationship to a relationship right like what are the 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 specialized skills right like you know there's marriages where where sometimes the man is is a pro cook right like there i don't know i hear i recently saw kevin o'leary referencing the fact that like he cooks all the time he's the chef in the house right like maybe that's a skill skill set you bring to the marriage so just note like thinking about it sort of i know we're sort of saying like be more methodical or economical with regards to marriage but i think it's the intentionality of and understanding how the relationship is going to play out that also sets you up for more success through your marriage right your first couple years will be hopefully less bumpy when you've had that intentionality and you're not sort of wrestling with your spouse wanting to go in a different direction because you've already thought through where the differences are where the similarities are you know you're pursuing a spouse that actually aligns with where you're going as opposed to pursuing the feels or the likes or the likes i should say um and and you know with regards to you know, the people that are already married, you know, take stock maybe of your wife's skills and, and your skills and realize where you guys complement each other more, you know, as a business, as a, as a, you know, a, a venture that you're on, you know, specializing in particular areas will allow you to collectively produce more. Um, and, and just, uh, when it comes to, I think the other side of that is actually making sure you communicate your appreciation for those things in your spouse. Because I think it's so easy for us to um, take for granted the the specialized skills, right? Like I see in my kids, I, I see so much fruit from my wife's intentionality in parenting while at the same time, she's probably longing more and more adult conversations <laughs> the longer she's been, you know, you got a three-year-old and a one-year-old, right? Like at some, there's times when that's just, it's too much because you're an adult and you've got kids that, that barely respond to you. You know, yeah, they've started communicating, but you're like, maybe you have to say the same thing four or five times for them to like get it. Um, and so, you know, communicating your appreciation for that, specialized skill or special you know division of labor that your your significant other has actually taken on i think is is something that even from like i say this you know as myself like i need to always be more intentional in that regard because 
if you think about it from your own perspective, you who doesn't like getting compliments? Who doesn't like getting, you know, comments of appreciation? Um, could you always receive them more? Okay, then you probably could always give them more too. What about you? What's your what's your two cents? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, so I'll do what you do did and 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 you know address the married folks and then the single folks. So for those who um, want to get married or or in a marriage, I think it's important to know that um, well the practical function for marriage like like God didn't just do it so you can um, live out your wildest dreams of walking down the aisle or um, whatever the case may be, because you can find love um, apart from a relationship with a human being in, in a romantic relationship, but you can still find love with God. And so just know that going into the marriage um, that it has practical implications for um, human development and, and cultural development, because the family is the foundation of society. And I look at Genesis chapter one, verse 28, and it says, and this is, this is God's plan for marriage, uh, prior to the fall. And he says, uh, Genesis chapter one, verse 28, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so, uh, the, the goal of marriage isn't love. I know it sounds crazy, but yeah, the goal of marriage isn't love. Um, but it is uh, for human development, cultural development. Now, of course, when we get to you know Ephesians 5 in the New Testament, and it's to glorify Christ and, and, and just put the display of the love between Christ and church. But just um, initially, God's initial plan for all people who aren't Christians or not, Christians or not, um, you know, coming together because you like the person, coming together, having sex, uh, having children, and, and doing it in, in a united home. Uh, is God's plan for the world becoming a better place, right? And then for those people who are single, I would say that, I would say that uh, being that you, you have to admit as a sinner, Christian or not, Christian or not, um, you have to admit as a sinner, you don't have the ability to love fully. So you have to empty yourself and let God fill you up. Like I said pre um, earlier um, about us not having that ability to love because, you know, we're just broken people and we come from broken homes. And so the, the passage I think about is Luke 14, uh, chapter, chapter 14, 28 to 33. And it says, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. Right? Verse 30 saying, uh, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Verse 32. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a, a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So this is the this is the main point. Verse 33. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. 
And so it's important to make sure that we count the cost before we get into a, a, a relationship. And part of counting the cost is being able to empty yourself and let God fill you up before you take into that venture. Yeah, I think I think counting the cost is a great, great quote. Um, and it's something that while that particular context was referring to like the monetary cost, I think your application is, is very valid um, because I think too quickly we, we rush into things or we make decisions without evaluating them comprehensively. And although cost is, in this sense, I think is, is, is a reference to, to evaluating it comprehensively. Let us know what you guys think if we missed anything. Um, <laughs> uh, if, if the adv advice was good, uh, if it wasn't good, let us know. You can contact us at sixcentsreport at gmail.com. If you're trying to get in contact with me, it's do good to Darnell on Twitter and on Instagram, D-O-G-U-D-D-A underscore Darnell, Darnell Samuels on Facebook. And please give us a review on whatever platform you're listening on. If you are not a subscriber, but you're a casual listener, can you please subscribe? <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know I'm T Joel N39 everywhere: uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, you know, give us, you know, let us know if you think we're 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 whack with our advice, if we're off base, if we missed anything. Um, you know, shout out to uh, a listener who who gave us uh, feedback on um, was it, I think it was the last episode <clears throat> on uh, Podbean. You know, we definitely. Uh, definitely appreciate that appreciate um, it so and, uh, sorry I'm just looking up the name of the obviously it's a username but but still uh, <laughs> yeah 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 but yeah. you know who you are yeah so thank you and yeah let us know what you guys think and uh success makes change but you heard me does that make sense I hear